You're listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes, a production of the Ephesus School Network. Blessed art thou, O Lord, teach me thy statutes. The company of the angels was amazed. Hi, this is Father Aaron Warwick with Jason Everett, and you are listening to the Teach Me Thy Statutes podcast, episode number 140. Today's reading is from Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 11. Now it happened as he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely. And behold, there was a certain man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus answering spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But they kept silent. And he took him and healed him and let him go. Then he answered them, saying, Which of you, having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit, will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him regarding these things. So he told a parable to those who were invited, when he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest one more honorable than you be invited by him. And he who invited you and him come and say to you, Give place to this man. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place, so that when he who invited you comes, he may say to you, Friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. In the opening verses of today's reading, we hear of Jesus healing a man on the Sabbath, after having healed a woman on the Sabbath in the previous chapter of Luke. And you spoke about this in your homily on December 4th, Father, but would you address this healing on the Sabbath as it relates to our reading today? Yeah, as as you mentioned in Luke 13, there's the story of a woman healed of an infirmity that afflicted her for 18 years, and she was also healed on the Sabbath. There is then much similarity between today's story of this man healed of dropsy on the Sabbath and the woman healed in that other story, but there is also one main difference. And what's that difference, Father? The difference is in the fact that here, a chapter later in Luke 14, the Pharisees and lawyers are questioned by Jesus, and they remain silent. Perhaps they had been there or heard of the previous healing and Jesus' words to the leader of the synagogue who questioned him in chapter 13, because in that chapter, which I preached about, as you mentioned, on December 4th, the leader of the synagogue explicitly questioned why Jesus would heal on the Sabbath. In fact, even a step further, the scripture says he was indignant that Jesus healed on the Sabbath and even chastised him. So today's reading is slightly different than in that respect. Yeah, I see your point about the difference. Uh, and as you mentioned, though, there are similarities, specifically that Jesus healed on the Sabbath, but also in Jesus' explanation for why he did that. So would you explain to us why it's such a big deal for Jesus to heal on the Sabbath, and then what's the significance of Jesus' reasoning as to why he healed on the Sabbath? Okay, so first of all, we have to understand why it's so bothersome to the Pharisees and the lawyers and the leaders of the synagogue that Jesus healed on the Sabbath. And for those who may not know, when we speak in the New Testament about lawyers, we're talking about Jewish scholars who were intimately familiar with all the details and commandments in the Mosaic Law, in other words, in the Scriptures. So not as we tend to think about attorneys today in a civil sense, but religious specialists, people who knew the Bible forward and backward. Now, the Sabbath was extremely important to them, and rightfully so. It's undeniable that Scripture teaches us to honor the Sabbath and to keep it holy. 
So this was extremely important to the Jewish leaders of Jesus' time precisely because it's scriptural. And I believe that we should recognize that and we should recognize their seriousness. And what I highlighted then in my homily on December 4th was the fact that the leader of the synagogue, when he was indignant, was not indignant because the woman was healed, but because she was healed specifically on the Sabbath. And why is that distinction so important? Well, because this leader does not condemn Jesus for healing. He just says, essentially, look, you could have come back and healed her at sundown when it was no longer the Sabbath. Honor the Sabbath and then come back and heal her. And again, this is so important to that leader of the synagogue and to the Pharisees and the lawyers uh, in today's reading because it's scriptural to honor the Sabbath. Furthermore, the Jews of Jesus' time had all sorts of traditions and customs by which they honored the Sabbath and to avoid doing work on that day. In many ways, we really should admire their commitment. In fact, I wish we could get that kind of commitment to follow Scripture from most of us Christians. Nevertheless, Jesus, in his explanation to the leader of the synagogue in that previous chapter, in chapter 13, and in his explanation today to the Pharisees and the lawyers in chapter 14, shows why their reasoning was wrong and why it was perfectly acceptable for him to heal on the Sabbath. And what is that reasoning? Well, he says that each of them, meaning... Uh, These lawyers, these Pharisees, this leader of the synagogue, each of them looses their animals on the Sabbath to lead them to water. Or if their animal falls into a pit on the Sabbath day, immediately works to get them out of there instead of waiting for the Sabbath to finish. What Jesus is pointing out is that it's always lawful to be merciful on the Sabbath. That even if that requires work, we can do that We can be merciful on the Sabbath because it's honoring the God who shows mercy to us. Like guys, then we ought to show mercy to others, even on the Sabbath. And then furthermore, Jesus is pointing out the silliness of the Jewish leaders in that they will show mercy to their animals, but not to their fellow human beings. Those same human beings were told in the Bible, in the law, who are made in the image of God. And how silly is that, that we're so often more merciful to our animals than to our fellow human beings? So as I noted earlier, Jesus shows the precedence with God is always to show mercy. There's never a time that you should not put being merciful ahead of any other rule or commandment. There's never a time that we should choose something else ahead of showing mercy, no matter how important we might think that other commandment may be, because there is nothing greater in God's kingdom than showing mercy to others as he himself has taught us by his own actions toward us and by his own acts of mercy. Thanks for explaining the importance to us about the Sabbath and and also why Jesus shows that it's perfectly acceptable. In fact, it's, it's preferable to show mercy on that holy day. And moving on through today's passage in the second half of our reading, Jesus tells a parable about those who receive an invitation to a wedding feast. And Jesus examines those who exalt themselves Uh, seeking out the best places to sit versus those who humble themselves and refrain from choosing the best seats. What should we take away from this parable, Father? I think it's pretty straightforward, something we see constantly in Jesus' teaching throughout the New Testament, namely that God prefers the humble, that God prefers the weak, that he prefers the outcast. And while this is consistent throughout the entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, It's entirely inconsistent with the way human societies normally operate. This is a teaching that is unique to what we call the Judeo-Christian tradition. In fact, lately, I've been studying aspects of the Roman Empire, and it's fascinating to see how certain laws and customs change over time. 
And I'm by no means saying that everything was perfect in the Roman Empire after Constantine. In fact, quite the opposite, which in and of itself is an entirely different discussion. But one thing that I've learned recently was how Justinian, together with his wife Theodora, began to change Roman laws and customs to be more in line with scriptural teachings, and of course they lived in the 6th century. And again, we could go on and on about how sometimes they fell short of that, but that's not my point here. So one thing that I've learned is that when the capital moves from Rome to Constantinople, you have the ability then to make certain changes that distance the empire from the Roman pagan past. And by the time you get to Justinian then in the 6th century and you get to some of his reforms, you start to see Judeo-Christian values infiltrate Roman society. Again, not completely. No society is ever going to be fully Christian. We all fall short of the glory of God, as St. Paul taught us. But just as an example, you start to see women protected more than they had been before, likely in part because of Justinian's wife, Theodora's past, and her conversion to Christianity. So, for example, prostitutes under the new laws are no longer blamed in the same way they were before for their so-called lifestyle. They come to be seen as they truly were, which is victims of oppression. And instead, men then can be severely punished, even with the death penalty for raping a woman. And this is unprecedented in Roman history to this point, to protect the weak in such a fashion and to punish the powerful. So again... Not to say that we look back to some perfect so-called Christian society, but to emphasize the fact that the scriptural tradition is a unique tradition in human civilizations. Inasmuch as it does what Jesus did in today's reading, it exalts the meek and the weak, and it belittles the strong and puts down the powerful. And so finally, I want to again point out, as I've done many times in the past, this scriptural approach is so taken for granted today in Western civilizations Many people believing in such an approach without even recognizing that it comes directly from this Judeo-Christian scriptural tradition, and not from anywhere else, most certainly not from any modern-day form of materialistic or scientific approach to understanding the world. Thank you, Father. In today's episode, we began by discussing the significance of Jesus' healing on the Sabbath. To better understand the importance of this healing, Father Aaron provided some context including that the Sabbath was extremely important to the Jewish leaders of Jesus' time because it was scriptural. Scripture teaches us to honor the Sabbath and to keep it holy. But Jesus later shows why their reasoning for objecting to him healing on the Sabbath was wrong and, in fact, why it was preferable for this healing to take place on the Sabbath. And previously in chapter 13, and providing them with an example of releasing their animals on the Sabbath to lead them to water, Jesus demonstrates that it is always lawful to be merciful to others. And if the Jewish leaders will show mercy to their animals, why would this not also apply to human beings who are made in the image of God? Furthermore, Father stressed that Jesus shows us the precedence with God is always to show mercy. This supersedes any other rule or commandment. We were then reminded in the parable Jesus told later in today's reading that God prefers the humble, the weak, and the outcast. This runs contrary to the way human societies normally operate, but our scriptural tradition is unique in human civilization in the way it exalts the humble and the meek, yet belittles the strong and powerful. Thank you for listening to Teach Me Thy Statutes. We hope you tune in next week for a new episode. Hallelujah, glory to thee, O God.
Oh God. 